Exciting. We're back! Yes, uh, despite all appearances of content, Podcast Maximus lives in its new incarnation. It is to the original Podcast Maximus what Saved by the Bell, the new class, was to the original Saved by the Bell. I am Stuart Webb, and I am the only person you're likely to meet to have seen every episode of Saved by the Bell, the new class. And joining me today in awe and surprise at this amazing fact... It's our very own Mr. Belding, Marion. Hello. And our very own all those new kids who were in Save of Bell, the new class that nobody really remembers because none of them were as good as Zach or Kelly. Uh, it's Tom. I feel that's appropriate because I've never seen Saved by the Bell, nor have I seen Saved by the Bell, the new class. They're, they're bringing it back, Tom. It's time to get into it. Well, it, it feels like it never went away like, like other shows. We could mention. Well, speaking of things that never went away, uh, but last time we were talking about the end of Transformers comics, but with barely a pause for breath in real time, even though we have took a bit of a break, it is a whole new Transformers comic. Are we? We've got twelve new issues. Twelve issues. They're just they're just here now. Plus one. Goodness me. There's, there's also galaxies. Yes, that, that's coming soon. Oh, so it's, uh, it's all very exciting. So we basically got the first two trades. Uh, I would imagine, uh, all together, uh, we are here to talk about what's happened. So uh, I suppose. Do you think? Do you, should we? Should we talk about that? Should we talk about the twelve issues of the new run of IDW starting in twenty nineteen? That, that's exactly what I just said we were going to do, Tom. Wow, Marion, do you think we should talk about all twelve issues of the new IDW run from twenty nineteen? I suppose. I mean, we could talk about Arcadia Quest, I guess. But oh yes, Arcadia Quest, my favorite of the quests. I am just kidding, of course. We are talking about Transformers. <laughs> oh, yeah, James Roberts will be listening. Because, Sorry, James Roberts. <laughs> because he is listening. <laughs> oh, well, what we are talking about, then, is uh, the Brian Ruckley written uh, Transformers series with art by, uh, get a cup of tea ready, uh, Angel Hernandez, Cache Whitman, Sarah Bittra de Rocha, Andrew Griffith, Anna Malkova, uh, Beth McGuire-Smith. Uh, colours by... I didn't make a note of that. So somebody could jump in and say use some of the colours. Joanna LaFuente and Josh Bircham. And letters by our soon-to-be dear departed from the world of Transformers comics friend, Tom B. Long. No, Tom, you can't do this to us. Come on. We'd like to do a special podcast, Maximus. Shout out to Tom B. Long, the best letterer. I'm going to pour one out for you. T- Tom is pouring one out right now as we speak. It is. I, I never knew we had so much in it. <laughs> That's filthy. No, it's nothing. It's nothing bodily. It's just some milk, which came from someone's body, but not mine. <laughs> it is. It is filthy. It's pretty. I guess. Yeah. Basically, a sort of nutritious sweat when you think about it. But um. So Tom is meant to be not this Tom, not not our Tom, but Tom Belong is. Um, I think he's already left ITW, but he's still credited on the books that we're gonna talk about today. Yes, he's uh, and he's reversed. He's pretty much the start, so he's uh, he's earned his little retirement and uh, his little farm in the country. Yep. I'd imagine that's what he's doing. I don't know. He's... Oh yeah, I, I had a letter once, and uh, my parents said when he was gone that he was you know, running around with all, chasing all the rabbits. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> well, 
Uh, the first of the last of Tom B. Long, then, is the first five issues, uh, The World in Your Eyes, which uh, was started as a fortnightly comic. Uh, how did we all feel about this first storyline? I, at first, as I started reading, thought, it's all right, I guess. Suppose I could read this bi-weekly. It's okay. But I wasn't that convinced until we got to issue five. And at issue five, I thought, oh, hang on. No, actually, I do quite like that. Um, so it's um, it's been growing on me since. But I think 110% absolutely it is the case with this one that you read better when you read them all together. So this is like the whole series so far has read like two episodes with some extras like thrown in so far like if you read all the first five issues together it's like yeah this is one episode this is like one thing mm. that's just happened like and it's complete and and the same happened exactly with um the second uh, lot of them so issues seven to eleven plus one um because the final issue tends to be like some kind of side story or backstory or something like that um but yeah i um i think the, um, the new continuity has been introduced well. I think it has got a lot of little hooks left and right to keep you wondering what's going on. I almost wish that they hadn't started with the inevitable there's going to be a war, literally on the very first page of the first issue. <laughs> but this is what happened before. Uh, I kind of, I wanted a bit of mystery, you know, just like maybe there won't be a war. I don't know. It doesn't have, you know, it's not, should not be for granted. Um, I um, I think the, the, some of the mysteries were not as mysterious. I think I pretty much called the Bumblebee thing on like, <laughs> in like issue three. Um, but yeah, I'm, um, I've enjoyed it. I have quite enjoyed it. I have to say. I, I was very, very sceptical at first and fully prepared to just sort of gracefully part ways with uh, the IDW Transformers output. I feel like, you know, I put my bit in and uh, could, uh, you know, have a have a amicable parting. But I got, I got sucked in pretty much from, from day one. I, I don't know what that says about me or if that's more of a compliment to the story. But um, yeah, it was exactly the opposite of what I kind of thought I wanted. Um, and uh, But yeah, just did, did the premise very well. You can kind of also, it's sort of always fun sport in trying to figure out where the strings are on these and it's sort of running at the same time as the new cartoon show uh, as cyberverse and it's got some striking similarities but they're both obviously aimed at very different markets and trying to do very different things and that kind of you know spot i just feel like very well trained to exist on that kind of bifurcated reality of like, oh, the cartoon show did this, and then, and then the, the comics are doing this, and that, that sort of sparks my synapses, and, and, and then before you know it, you've bought 12 issues, and you just can't, you can't stop now. So um, good work, good work, everybody involved. Um, hooked, got, got hooked right in in this sort of noirish uh, um, mystery tale to start things off. But yeah, but I think I'd agree it wasn't quite what I was expecting either, because obviously the, the promotion made a big thing about the murder mystery. You know, they're going to be investigating the first ever murder 
Um, and that doesn't really play a huge part in the series. In fact, I don't think anybody really remembers Rangsor is dead now. <laughs> They've sort of uh, moved on to other things, poor guy. Uh, but uh, so it wasn't quite like, like the noir thing I was expecting, which was going to be much more of an investigation. In fact, it wasn't even really the first murder in the end either. So I think that maybe that was a mistake emphasising that to the advanced publicity. Because I ended up feeling a bit hard to go. Somebody's been murdered. That never happens, apart from all these other times. Somebody's died horribly in our history. But uh, I, I really liked, and I know this is an issue for a few people, but the pacing was uh, an issue I know for some people. But I really liked the sort of slow take on it. And I know that you, you could tell that Brooklyn hasn't written that many comics before this. You know, this is a writer who does normally big, thick, chunky novels. And it was a pacing of a big, big chunk, chunky novel. Uh, but I quite liked that because we come off such an intense run of comics as well. So a bit of a breather and uh, taking the time to establish the new characters and what was different and the world. And it's an interesting world. It's, uh, it's taken on time to run full of aliens, including aliens from the Titan uh, British uh, movie comic. Oh, which... yeah, that's like, that's like a gift just for you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's like that. I'm assuming you just go through the wiki and looking for alien names and picked that one. They've drawn them the same as if they were in that comic as well. So somebody's, um, their homework's been done. It's like, that's the most weird homage ever, and I love it. <laughs> Which the, ones are those? Uh, the Fowls and the... Uh, the Orvins. The Orvins, yes. They were uh, in issue five or six of uh, the original Titan movie comic. I think it's Ratchet. Ends up on their world and uh, kills a load of them, basically. Because it's movie Ratchet, that's what he does. <laughs> it's, okay. Uh, so that, that made me very happy, that little reference in there as well, especially the bigger part they've just played in the most recent issue. And I just really enjoyed the, the, the taking this time thing and it's uh, how relaxed it's all felt. See, uh, I think I disagree with this. I know this has been sort of the line that it's, it's very slow-paced, but it isn't really, is it? Because there's details... Look, considered pacing, considered it's, it's, pacing is what I, I'd say. You know, I think it's just quite skillful and... <laughs> Um, and yeah, considered is a good word for it, but because you reread it, and there's it, it's not like stuff doesn't come out of nowhere. Everything's pretty much there from page one, but you're just it's just sort of peeling away. Um, yeah, I, I, I I'm, I'm I'm a bit annoyed that this is how this beginning is being remembered of like being a bit slow because it's it's quite heavily front loaded but not in a way that intimidates you this is why i think if you think of it as the whole 12 issues are two episodes of something that you only had to wait a week to get to from the first to the second one it would be fine but even with the two weekly release schedule, it was still quite a long period of time between issue one and issue five and subsequent issues. So even though yeah, you're absolutely right on reread, it's all there and it all comes together and it all makes sense and you have a lot of information available to you from the beginning. And um, But actually by the time, like two months later, you've kind of forgotten. <laughs> so it doesn't, <laughs> it feels more slow paced than it actually is because you don't feel like you're being given enough information. I think that's the problem. And it's quite, it's, it's, it, it's perfectly paced if you read all five mm. issues together. 
Oh, oh, just a, another point on that. I suppose as a as a long term fan, you don't feel you need to know who Bumblebee is, but then it takes the the issue. Mm. The, the, the comics take their time to say, okay, this is who this is. We know a bit about his past. We know a bit about his like insecurities and what he wants for the future and where he fits in in this political landscape. He's essentially a new character, but because uh, he's a little yellow guy named Bumblebee, people are like ah Bumblebee. Next, know this, but it's not. It's, it's you know nobody's actually the same character. And this is where all the original characters or the completely new characters come in. Um, some of them are not original anymore. Freud is not an original <laughs> character anymore. He used to be. Um, this is where they all come in because that's where you take more time to get to know them. Whilst you're right, when you see the big, the first that first meeting with Optimus and Megatron tired me. I just I didn't have time for it. It was boring. Mm. Um, it was same old, same old, and it was just like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Um, when I saw Cyclonus, it felt a bit like, ah, oh, yeah, same old, same old. But if you give it a chance, and then you, you know, read it on its own merits, and and especially as more revelations about the characters, you know, uh, come about, uh, and then you start to kind of appreciate them for their own strengths within the story, not as the characters you've always known. Uh, I think it, it mm. does work better. I think uh, the Megatron Prime stuff, uh, of course, that's basically the big selling point of the series, uh, how it all began side, but that was the, the least interesting to me as well because it did feel uh, like they were going down a lot of similar ground. I mean, there's, there's not that many different ways you can do it, but I uh, sort of get it, it was hoping it would be rather than all the multi-layered and multifaceted Shades of grey we had before. I was quite looking forward to, you know, here's Megatron, he's a dick. Here's Optimus Prime, he's a good guy. <laughs> and it felt like it might have been doing that to start with, but then you've got, they've both got secrets. So they're, Sentinel Prime is there and he's still an asshole. So the Decepticons are slightly justified in what they're, but well, Decepticons are slightly justified in what they might be doing. And Megatron is not the villain. He's not a goodie, but he, mm. he's not the antagonist he is not making things difficult for the other characters we actually find out quite late on that shockwave is dramatically the villain megatron is just as much a protagonist as bumblebee he's got his place he's got his philosophy he's got his mum and that sets where he's going forward and everyone's on this collision course if that prime and megatron both have their moms maybe maybe i may sort out i would have set my mom on you she's bigger than yours (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't know if I agree with this take. I think Megatron is not the grand architect necessarily, but he's not a good guy. He's making use of... I mean, this is all his idea. Um, well, in some ways, he's the grand architect because he's the one, but it's kind of gotten away from... It's almost like the thing that uh, Starscream accuses him of in his trial back in the other grand years. Like, things get away from him. Um <laughs> But he he will take it, you know, his only concern is that people will find out, like, he, he's not entirely happy with it, but he'll go with it, he'll make use of it. Um, but, yeah, Shockwave's role is a bit ambiguous. There's still a lot of unknowns as well. Um, oh, yeah. So we don't know exactly who all the people who've been exiled are, and we don't know what this three spark thing is and how it links to Megatron, and if there's still quite a lot, like, you can kind of guess, but you don't quite know. No, I was gonna say, but the thing that got me with Megatron isn't actually in the comic. Uh, but if, uh, for Galaxies, they put out little profiles of Constructicons uh, to promote that first arc. Uh, one of them clarifies that Megatron was a minor 
in this continuity as well. I'm like, does he, did he have to be? He could have done something else in his life. Yeah, that life. feels a bit like the the heavy hand of Hasbro. They seem to quite like this idea of a, um, you know, of a kind of platonic uh, version of each of the characters and their backstories. That seem to be always their starting point. Yeah, and Orion's an archivist. Blah blah mm. blah. Uh, and when you compare it to what Cyberverse is doing, it's pretty much, you know, you can describe Megatron in this story very much the same way you can describe Megatron in Cyberverse, even though they have completely different dramatic functions and do totally different things. Yeah, and uh, this is another reason why I didn't take to this so much, because it did look like it was just what you were saying earlier. It's just another take on, it's just this story that Hasbro is so obsessed <laughs> with. They keep rehashing over and over, and they just want to find the way for it, like a tone where it works. Um, and it was very similar in the um, the other animated ones that were doing the short. I I forget what they're called now. Not Cyberverse, prior to Cyberverse. Oh, Rob- the on the online. Uh, uh, the Mashabus oh, stuff. Uh, that's that's the thing. Yeah. Oh man, I yeah. was I was blissfully I'd blissfully forgotten about those. <laughs> yeah, so it all feels kind of like similar. Like, yeah, it's like Hasbro have this thing in their heads that they just wanna, yeah. Um, so that's another reason why I wasn't really taken to this uh, when it first began. But I think the writing is quite—it's competent, mm. um, and it is um, rich enough to draw you in, even if there is some kind of plan there from the beginning. But. Um, and there was also the arena where the Decepticons used to gather before the war and then they rebuilt it. And it's all very familiar, isn't it? <laughs> it's why I like um, the, uh, the element of rubble. It's because that's totally new and like conceptually new mm. as well. And, and it's really smart. I don't know if this is entirely intentional, but it, it really works that this is your focus character. They don't really have a lot to them. And that's the point. But yeah, while like Windblade and her buddy Bumblebee are kind of mucking about, you can place yourself in Rubble's eye like you're supposed to. Briefly. <laughs> Before you end up placing your eyes in Quake's foot. Oh. Uh, I, I complained about the... Uh, well, I complain, but I talk about the familiar stuff not working for me, but to be a, a double standard type, uh, one of my favourite things is Freud, who is... I mean, in his first issue when I was rereading it for this, was like, oh, first appearance, yeah, I'm pretty sure, because Ruckley wrote wrong in that role in that first issue, and then they asked him to change it because of everything that happened at the end of Lost Light. Uh, but in his second uh, time he shows up, that's like pure 100% Freud. Pretty much exactly like he was. Uh, but without the serial killer stuff yet, yeah, maybe he'll build up to that as time goes by. And I, I really enjoyed Freud in this uh, all Rookie needs to do is not give me familiar stuff, but also give me familiar stuff, and then he'll have hit that, that magic wow. chemistry. The most pleasable audience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean what I say, but the words are different. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, the, all the original... I uh, hate saying original characters. The, 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 character, the new characters are, um, are really good, and I kind of wish this didn't have... Optimus Prime and Megatron in it and was like a Beast Wars style reboot of the whole concept but yeah I don't think we were ever going to get that I mean I really find myself very drawn to characters like Geomotus and Termagax uh, and Rubble uh, and Freud who is a, a sort of fits the bill 
and you can kind of feel that the story is a bit more drawn to them as well. It's, it's done a good job keeping up the diversity of the previous comics for having efforts to increase the number of female characters, which means people like Road Rage get to appear for the first time because there aren't that many pre-existing female Transformers, so they have to go deep into grabbing them out of the box. And uh, more different body types. And uh, neurodivergence, I think that's the word for Geomotus. Mm-hmm. He says completely more of a name. Uh, so yeah, it's continuing the good the good stuff that we have the previous IDW continuity was doing in that in making it a more rounded society. Because with the toy line, even though I know the toy line, the Siege toy line has more female characters in it than any previous Transformers toy line, that's still only about five of them. Uh, they all look exactly the same, but in different colours. So the, even as a toy tie-in, it's tr- pushing uh, the world to make it more convincing, uh, which. It, Maybe didn't need to do, considering it clearly is it, main objective of it is to promote siege. God, I completely forgot that there's so much toy tie and stuff. Um, yeah, that's a huge, yeah, huge component. I don't like Optimus Prime's funny chest. I don't like that for the toy. That's that's my big <laughs> sorry. I am not a fan of uh, how toy accurate a lot of the art is. Uh, I've never been a fan of that. Like this, this especially just reminds me of watching microns, which is like watching the toys um, like walk around. It's and it just doesn't work. It, it just doesn't work at all uh, in art. I'm, I'm going to be hypocritical here because I really like the old Marvel UK stuff. With, mm. with Mike Collins was just drawing the toys, but that's because those toys are so much stranger and more kind of charming. These are very detailed and, um, yeah, just a bit uncanny, I think. Mm. It's not always as strong, but even uh, I think it stands up more for me when I see uh, artists who I know well, like uh, Sarah Peter Duroche, and she draws the toys as toys, and she never used to before, so I notice it a lot more when I see that. Mm, yeah. Let's take a moment to talk about the art a bit, then, because the art is basically by everybody, <laughs> uh, pretty much. If you were in the IDW offices in uh, the last six months, they probably handed you a page to draw. It's a bit of an exquisite corpse being handed around. Uh, well, there are, I guess they're not in the offices, but handed around the email list. Yeah, that's definitely where I think the fortnightly schedule was absolutely a mistake, and it's a mistake they should have known wasn't going to work because they only had Unicron last year when they tried to do it fortnightly. And ended up having to get more artists in and delay issues. Nearly killed poor Alex. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously this is a, as detailed or as as big art as uh, Unicron had already built up to, but it's I think twenty pages a fortnight is a bit too much for people. And uh, it's uh, maybe the new artists haven't had as much chance to take out their identity on the book as as hard as they might. I mean, at least twelve, there's only two issues drawn entirely by one artist. Uh, one of whom being Sarah Pitredorosha, who we already know very well and is very established. I've not got as much of a handle of uh, the other artists yet. Hmm. I really liked the... Uh, I guess it was conceived as Angel Hernandez's book on art duties. Um, though, of course, as the schedule went on, that sort of dripped away. The conceit of the writing and the, that art style go together really well, despite the... You know, the toy ports and a bit of fuss over the de- over some of the designs, but I think that kind of uh, quite abstract, angular um, 
uh, vibe works with what the, the, the world the story is selling. Yeah, I mean, Angel Hernandez was, I think, the only artist announced when the book was announced, and I don't think anybody realised maybe we're gonna, there's going to be a second artist on my first issue till it actually came out, because I remember that surprising a few people at the time. Mm. Uh, so we've definitely, uh, understandably, been struggling with uh, doing it at this schedule, so it's quite nice for the artists to when it's going monthly, because even though that means less pages a month, whoever's doing the book will probably do more pages mm. of that issue in a month. Uh, and it'll... Uh, help them cement themselves into uh, into the series a bit more. Mm. Uh, yeah, the, the artists, they've all done solid work. Uh, uh, it's been great uh, to see Anna Malkova, uh, who was drawn something I wrote once many years ago. That was a her big break. Uh, uh, if anybody's got the TF Nation 2016, 2017 magazine, the, uh, the piece about Bob Budiansky written by me was uh, illustrated by her. Mm. So that's, that's, that's how your career starts. Uh, see them get a chance to work on a book as well. And also uh, some more, because that's one of the things we talked about in the last podcast as well, was how it was just guys who'd been announced on the creative team. So the scheduling, even if it was only a shame, it was because of scheduling issues, uh, more women artists getting to work on the book to address that balance uh, was a, a good thing as well. Um. I have generally liked the art, uh, not so much Whitman's, um, Hernandez's I thought was okay, uh, very pleasant. Uh, I like Anna Malkova's art very much, uh, but the one that of the new artists that I absolutely adore is um, Beth McQuarrie Smith. I love, mm. I love her style so much. Um, and uh, it's good to see Sarah back and Andrew back, but I am really pleased to see new artists finally take a bit of the spotlight because they are not, um, well, like Stuart was saying, these are not brand new people. They are people who have been in the fandom for a while. Um, and uh, Anna Malkova and Beth McGuire Smith have been at TF Nation in the Forge in the past. So uh, I've picked up both their arts in the past. So when I actually saw their names on this professionally, I was actually really, really quite pleased for them. But yes, yeah, so that Optimus Prime Megatron issue looked fantastic. And it, that was one that was drawn by just one person as well. So it gave her a chance to really show off uh, without having to hand over to somebody else halfway through for three pages or whatever. So yeah, that, that was. Uh, I think that was sort of the issue I was saying to people if they uh, they got put off by the early issues, give this one a try because it's a done in one thing. It looks amazing and it's quite good fun, and it'll it'll give you a feel of uh, where it's the book's going. Mm. Now it's settled in a bit. Hmm. Yes, it looks the part as well. It kind of, it, it it's um, the style and uh, the style and the colours really merge it with Angel stuff. Mm. It does look all very cohesive. Yeah, there are some other moments with other artists. I think it is Hernandez that does this a lot. And Bumblebee's face has been an inconsistent nightmare. Every artist seems to be drawing it completely differently. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, um, but on the whole, I think, and this is a colorist thing very much, uh, Joanna LaFuente is very good. And I, I can't tell where Josh Burcham comes in here. 
Um, especially, I think the first time I saw Joe Burcham's name uh, was not uh, on specific pages. So I think they must have been working on the same pages together, like flats versus finishes. Um, and they've done this, uh, they've worked on the same books before, and they're very good at complementing each other when they want to. Uh, but it does help that Joanna keeps that consistency with the different artists in the colors. Uh, but I think because Beth Maguire Smith, when she did um, issue six, I think she's done the colors as well. But that didn't feel like it was very different either. In fact, in mm. fact, I do wonder if she does her colors, if she always does her colors. Hmm. But anyway, yeah, strong art, strong art. What did we think of the second arc, uh, quickly there? Did we uh, enjoy that as much? Did we feel it was in uh, taking receptive right direction? Uh, we've been talking about both of them, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, the second one is where the action sort of like picks up a bit, isn't it? And uh, there was this bit where um, it, what, what ended up being issue 12, I, I, I'm guessing would have been much further in um the series because we had those covers with the characters on them so sentinel not against starscream and so on but then the the actual content of the issue ended up being different so i don't know if they decided to switch around to keep the flow of the action or what happened there anyway it works where it is as uh, issue 12 because then it made mirrors sort of um issue six in the kind of its side story um and it, mm. and it doesn't interrupt the actual flow of the story there where it's at um, I I liked the action bits, the bit with the monument and the fights and all of that, and the Cyclonus bits. And I thought the Freud joke was pretty funny, personally. And um, it, it, it's been great. And um, the reveals also have been coming in this issue. Um, this issue, sorry, this uh, the second arc. Uh, so we find out more about who the Rise are exactly and. What they're up to and Bumblebee's role in the whole thing exactly, and um, so yeah, we we have some answers and we can see like how the Decepticons are are about to begin their thing, um, but there's still more questions. We get a lot of new characters in the second arc as well. Mm. You know, well, Turbogex shows up after being there from literally the first page, um, and then we get people like Six Shot and Flame War. Um, who I really like. It's really quite fun having like, evenly matched and competent um, villains, I guess. I quite like the, 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 the sort of sorties they've been having. It sort of plays with the fact that they're, they're kind of indestructible and every fight is just like kind of who can get away. That's always the, the, the pattern, which maybe... I don't know, I, I find that quite interesting in just... You can't just have an overpowered villain tear through everybody, which we've gotten quite used to. You've got like a guy like Sixshot who has been set up this way previously. But um, yeah, he's got to be careful. If he gets a sword in the chest, he's got to go go away. And I like he's just getting continuously more beaten up, but still can still operate. Um, and we're just getting grumpier. Hmm, it, it's all lower stakes with a lack of weapons and things, isn't it? And everybody not having fought in years and all of that. It has uh, room to grow into, you know, ridiculousness. Mm. Yes, I suppose so. Yeah, if I, I was, uh, especially on this reread for the podcast, I was very happy that Six Shot was just some guy because I just reread uh, Devastation. It'd be a Shetty part work. 
and you read about it, oh, Shiksaw is dangerous, he's dangerous, he's dangerous, he's the most dangerous thing ever, he's gonna kill everybody, and the most devastating thing he does is pull off Jazzy's arm, but Jazzy's fine with it, and he doesn't really hurt anybody else. It's, oh, he's not he's not that much of a basicer, is he? So it's, uh, it's a bit better without the ridiculous uh, build-up he's had in the past. Yeah, I, I always like it when things like a six-changer or a triple-changer is just sort of demystified. I was thinking the other day about how the Dreamwave series, like a triple changer, can like Blitzwing represented this like abomination, this like new stage in evolution. But then, sort of the way triple changers were represented in, in Lost Light was like just as very attractive people. Um, and I like that. It's not necessarily not like a whole new kind of of species. You 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 just someone from a different town or someone who has a specific fashion sense. So, uh, I think the, uh, the only thing that bugged me about second arc, and this is entirely Tom McNally's fault, he has ruined this moment for me, is our second in our ongoing series of logo <laughs> design masterclasses. And we're going to start, yep, we're going to rise up and defeat the sister, and here's my special logo I've made. It's, I had some people workshop it. It's going to... Shockwave could have made this one as well, actually. He's in cahoots with Megatron. He could have been... This is... Oh, don't we? I've got nothing for you, Megatron. This is what's going to make the difference here. I mean, you've seen my work with the Autobots. You know, that's a good logo. It's just gonna... Oh, or his mum must have made the first one, I guess. She made the arrow. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe amongst her, her sort of Randian super ubermensch traits is a uh, graphic design night course. <laughs> It's like uh, your mom putting your name badge in your school uniform, but because Megatron's cool, he does a, he, he customizes it, so he seems like lesser lesser like Soundwave. Co- and speaking of mums, when Megatron goes to visit his, and she's like, "Look, I'm busy here. Go and play with your friends," and and he comes out and is like, "Yeah, she's not coming. She's not coming. We can do what we want." <laughs> I love it. It's such a great new... It's like an actual addition to the whole mythos. Um, it's so good. The mentor system. It's sort of really the first time since the cartoon that they've had the idea that Megatron was not the creator mm. of this movement. Uh, but there was somebody else. He, I mean, the cartoon was pretty consistent on it because he was always changing his mind how Megatron mm. was created and who made him. I don't have sort of idea that there were Decepticon leaders before him and... Uh, there was this uh, piece of just the latest in a movement. So that's really the last time anything's been done with the idea that it wasn't just Megatron who made everything. I think Animated went with it, but in a, they were very quiet about that. Who was it? Uh, who was the original? Oh, it was like a, you know, uh, the Allspark Almanacs. <laughs> it was some Diaclone oh. Microman reference that I had to look up. Uh, okay. Uh Oh, but this is the most substantial, anyway. It's... Well, also, it, it, just like Termagex uh, is a utopian as well. Uh, it, it, it's good to take that James Roberts perception of, of Megatron and bifurcate it. You need the idealistic foundation, but you also need like the kind of petty little dickhead. Uh, and it, they don't work. You have to come up with with a lot of hoops to put them in the same person. But it totally works as a parental dynamic. My mum wanted all this stuff. She didn't get it. 
she kind of got bored with it. Well, that's what we, we're left with at the moment. I'm sure there's more to be told. I'm going to hijack it and just get, just like my own, because she is such a distant and uh, you know, kind of borderline sociopathic uh, mentor figure. Uh, he, like, she has made the Ascenticons, she has also made Megatron, and both these things are, are not going to go well with each other. Uh, and it makes it much more personal. I'm happy to go with the mum metaphor because it's hilarious. But I actually think this is much more of a male thing. Like, you want to tear down what the other blog did because you want it in your name. Mm. More so than, you know, you have mum issues. Because mum issues tend to be more you want to impress your mum. Well, it does yeah? I don't know. I kind of feel that maybe he does. I think Prime does. I think uh, Prime Pack. Sorry, what's yeah. he? He's a good mommy's boy. He's like, ah, tell me what to do next. And uh, I ate all my lunch, even the apple. <laughs> and both of their mothers have, have have retreated in quite different, but thematically appropriate ways. Yeah, they're they're both bad mums. They've both gone, look, I'm, yeah, I'm, I've, I've got my own thing going on. Do you mind? Mm. <laughs> you know, aren't you a grown-up now? Oh, yeah. So which, mm. which one of them will turn out to be Norman Bates fan? Opt- Optimus or Megatron? <laughs> oh, I've got Megatron completely capable of saying that it's all his mum's will, everything he's doing. Yeah, yeah, in, uh, in Termagex's name. Momatron. Yes. <laughs> uh. But yes, I, I really uh, enjoyed the second arc as well. And it did. And the nice thing is, you know, as I said, I liked it from the start, but it also felt like it's been on an upward curve throughout as well. So, yeah, started pretty good. Mm. And it's just been getting better issue on issue as Ruckley finds his feet as a comic writer. Uh, I think issue 12, actually, uh, as a standalone, was pretty important because uh, the comic goes monthly. I mean, it's, it's virtually been monthly for a while now. They haven't been meeting the fortnightly schedule. I think most issues have been three weeks, haven't they? Uh, but officially, it's going monthly for the next one. So this, as a statement of intent, that it was going to work reading individual issues monthly, I think was pretty important for a lot of people. Uh, and it did it very well. Yeah, It's a nice, fast, self-contained Nautica story where Nautica... It, just tell me why it used to the fact that Nautica is a bit of a different character because we've only had the one Nautica before. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed that 12th issue. It really... Uh, even Sentinel Prime, uh, one of my bugbears, uh, being in it, did not bother me that much because at least he didn't fall down a bottomless pit to his death because he's forgotten he can fly. So... I, I just really I deeply want that joke to to be in this series somewhere. I want him to make some reference to the bloody hole he fell down. Even <laughs> if it's just in passing. Sentinel Prime, impetus, fell down that hole, he came back up again, Cybertron had, like, rebooted or something, and he's just going to take over and carry on as he left. <laughs> uh yeah, issue twelve felt like every all the elements came together in a way that was really very very impressive, mm. um, and and incredible promise for this setting going forward. One thing which like and also on a reread like it's right there from the start, and something that IDW always struggled with and always 
uh, the, the first IDW continuity, I should say, always struggled with is that because this is an entirely fantasy world kind of being put together as you go, uh, it, it's it's hard to have people from different backgrounds. But right off, you've got people from the war. You've got your veteran fighters, and they're all, they're like, just basically ruined. You, and, and that's a big part of... of you know that if someone's gonna have has come from the war, someone like Cyclonus or Quake, um, maybe Termagax as well, like that's they've really been changed by that. They're from that place in time, and then your most of the characters are all your uh, current generation, and they are used to peace and not quite and sort of losing their grip on the situation. But then you've also got people from the colonies. Um, where we don't really know what they're like, but we kind of get the impression that they're going to cause a lot of trouble. And this is very exciting. It's very exciting to learn that, like, Hound is head of colonial security, and that means something. And the characters know what that means, but we don't quite know what that means yet, except that the colonies are dangerous places where bad things happen. And then, the, and then Nautica is from this whole other place which we, where other characters can come from, which are, you know, they describe the Xeno relations at this point as being like a sort of artistic pursuit uh and the 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 thing um in terms of transformers nordica really reminded me of botanica of like i've been off you know being a transformer do it like using my alt mode to actually understand the universe better and uh that has changed me and you know she isn't engaged with what's happening back on cybertron and 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 just going forward a character can be from any of these places and that's really really exciting it took years for idw version one to come up with that and then even when you get things like nails they drop them and replace them with the colonies and it's they never quite pulled it off so i'm very glad very glad of that world building speaking of world building i think i've picked up at least a couple of star trek Ripoffs. I said, I, I will judge that. <laughs> no, no, no. See, okay, one is um, the word that Notka used to describe what she is, like a role. Because uh, I think she calls it, is it Xeno Relations, I think? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I think is a very similar term to what they use um, in DS9, at least, for like, um, they use a similar Xeno something for Z the study of alien Xenobiology. And then um, it's something that's on the first issue that just struck me right away, which is a description um, of something I think that Wilder gives. Let me find this, which is like straight out of a of a nonsense Star Trek episode. Um, but yeah, I concur that I really like I like the episode twelve a lot because it puts it all in a bigger universe. And it brings the little nuances of what it actually means to live in a foreign universe. Actually, it is a little bit worse. Cybertron is in this one is a little bit similar to where uh, functionally Cybertron was. Because everything is controlled. Life forms are controlled. The population is controlled. Therefore, they've solved the energy problem. Uh, they've stopped expansion and they've got good relations with other planets. Uh, difference being that uh, they're not allowing, uh, functionally Cybertron was not um, you know, hosting refugees. Um, it was not very fond of uh, 
uh, refugees, but, um, but it isn't a very dissimilar kind of place to be. That's a very, very, very good point. That's a, that's a parallel I hadn't quite twigged to. Um, what? So it seems that Nominus Prime was a big, was kind of the, the architect of this, kind of the opposite number to the Autobots, what Termagex was to the Decepticons. Do we think that Nominus Prime was a good guy? A little bit of bad guy, because they always are, unfortunately. But so, that's what I was saying about it. I mean, I was a bit tired of Sentinel Prime being a dick, as well as like, all the other Primes would be arseholes apart from Optimus. I think it's hard to judge without knowing the like the state of the planet post-war. Hmm. Uh, so you do, you will have to impose special measures in a in a recovery situation uh, when resources are indeed scarce, and that that does make sense. You will have to do that. Um, I guess what the Ascenticans are saying is that well, that was a while ago now. You know, we've we've grown past that now, hmm. and now is so. Why are we still in this uh, special measures situation? It's um, I, I, it just popped into my head. This is um, it, it, it's it's austerity. <laughs> it's imposed austerity. Yeah. Oh no, we get another British wrong so and it's all about the state of Britain today again. Well, it's not. It, it isn't that different. You can understand why it makes people angry. Mm. Um, but it seems that I don't know. The nominous edict seems to be more humanitarian in character and maybe a little and like better carried out mm. i suppose while well, austerity is penny pinching but controlling the birth rates is quite extreme yes yes and people are wounded by it the kind of the it's very deft how it sets up how big a deal rubble is and how quickly they make a new baby after rubble is killed uh, that's uh yeah, there's a real quiet, and there's that whole silent protest, right? Mm. Um, people clearly aren't emotionally peaceful with uh, with this rate of of expansion of, of life. Yeah, and is it who is it that says this? Is it Freud who says, "Well, you can you, you know you, you can try to impose order as much as you like, but people are gonna can't force people to do something that's against their nature for too long." Mm. Because people are going to be chaotic and they, they are going to be aggressive and they will want to break out of the, the mold. Hmm. Hmm. It's a, a definite cauldron where they've, uh, they're boiling up. And uh, yeah, like Marion said, they've sort of said right from the start, this is going to go the usual way. So hopefully they won't uh, drag out... Optimus Prime, we're coming Optimus Prime, and uh, the fireworks for too much longer, because I think that could be, uh, get people going, oh, come on, we know what's coming, uh, unless we've got some big surprises coming up in the setup. Hmm. Yeah, actually, I, I think you, I think what you say is right, I think that is gonna, I think that is probably gonna happen quite rapidly, because Optimus Prime, well, Ryan is like the most it's like the biggest hole in this story we do get that that his spotlight issue is very much like he is 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 a shy boy a shy boy he loves his mum and uh is he's kind of quite charmingly inept uh at this point 
Uh, they both are. Megatron and, and, and Orion are both like quite bad at what they're trying to do. Jeez, it's interesting. They made more efforts to make Orion more different from the previous IDW version than they have with Megatron, because he isn't the cool super cop. Uh, he's more like the Dreamwave, uh, a librarian mm. version. So, so that's, uh, I don't know if they thought that Orion Max was a bit too much big of a character to, to leave exactly the same as he was before. Or if uh, Ruckley was just drawn more to the, uh, the quiet librarian uh, idea. I found the other Star Trek reference. Uh, okay. Yeah. The moon is equipped with an automated thruster array. That's, yep, that's definitely very Star Trek. But... Uh, <laughs> okay, see, I told you. I want to say, I've read all the 12 issues. I've made extensive and in-depth notes of this podcast. Uh, I could have found the Red Dwarf reference, and I looked really hard. And uh, <laughs> it's just not there. It's, I'm confused. Oh no, maybe maybe uh, the Constructicons will uh, all put on Dwayne Dibley teeth. Good guess. Even ones without mouths should do that. <laughs> I uh, have been looking more for John Barber's influence in this, and I don't think I can see it. I guess he's not, and I, he's not directly involved in Transformers at the moment. But I, I, I was expecting him to have his hand somewhere on it. The only the only thing of his that I can see uh, is the horse who pages. Mm. Uh, the 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 spotlight issue on Nautica with Nautica's uh, color coded narration that felt like a Barbary touch. Oh, okay. I didn't think of that potentially. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say that means that he's got an influence on it. It just reminded me of him. No, I just yeah. What, he doesn't have an official credit. On, I'm sure he's he's exchanging emails, but um... is he not down as editor in chief? He's in the not in the issue credits. He's down now in the IDW. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't really have a flavour of what David Marriott and Tom Waltz, what what their peculiarities are. Mm. So uh, I think uh, uh, David Marriott really likes Ghostbusters. I've seen a lot of Ghostbusters-related retweets from him, I think. And, of course, I, I would guess that comic. Uh, uh, yeah. the, I, I, I really didn't think it would be any... I was very down on the whole idea, but the Ghostbusters Transformers comic is, is delightful. Yeah, I've heard good things from a few people. Is it still going? I think, yeah, yeah. There's a couple more issues. There's one or two more issues yeah, to come. I, I thought we did it in trade because... It was one of those things, not a Star Trek comic, but they announce it, and you go, oh, but that's a fun issue. And then you realise it's four or five issues, and you go, oh, I felt, yeah, that's, that's a bit too much for that joke. Really? <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the Star Trek one was very John Barber. We're like, he's got the joke, and he's going to make it. And I appreciate the, the commitment to the bit. But the Ghostbusters one is written by the people who do the Ghostbusters comic, and it, yeah, you do feel like you've... Obviously, contestants have been made for people dropping in, but it feels very fully formed and um, yeah, just kind of easy in a in a way that's 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 uh, fun to engage with. Oh, there you go. See, this is a, a good value for many podcasts. It's not just the twelve <laughs> Rockley issues, but also five Ghostbusters Transformers and four Star Trek Transformers issues as well, all reviewed at the same time. 
You now we, uh, know our thoughts on them all. <laughs> uh, uh, does anybody have any sort of final thoughts they, they want to make about the, uh, the series today? Um, the only thing we didn't really specifically talk about is the fact I like that we are starting off from what appears to be a democracy. Uh, it looks like the senators have been on the... On the uh, they're not factions, they're parties, aren't they? They've been elected. People talk about voting for them. Mm. Uh, and people talk about not being into politics. Um, and I think that's a first potentially for Transformers where you haven't gotten your power from some god or hereditary or because um, you you wanted it or because, you know, so we're, we're starting off a relatively normal uh, stage quo, I think. So, and where the Autobots are just um, the majority party. Oh, it, yeah, it, it, feels very, it feels very relatable in that way. Um, and like yeah, with like Heretech is is like some sort of DUP mm. uh, right wing uh, religious. Party. Jesus, Tom, you have to be a bit harsh on him there, don't you? <laughs> what did Heretech ever do to you? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm very keen to see what Heretech's gonna do. It kind of, he can be like Freud and be sort of more more prominent in this than he was in, in Lost Light. That would be interesting. Mm. Uh, any any last thoughts from you, Tom? Yeah, well, I'm I'm definitely back on the hook. I'm a bit skeptical of this of the the. I like the idea of galaxies of being, I guess, basically a spotlight book, but like a multi-part spotlight book. A uh, bit skeptical of of um, of what it looks like now, but it looks like they're working very hard. So um, I'm sure I'll be flipped around uh, when it comes out. Yeah, yeah, I'm keen to to see how it goes, and also. Uh, as far as I'm aware, I don't know if this is... I don't know what level of gossip or official word I'm operating on here, but uh, this is... We, we're going to get a Hasbro-verse out of this, right? Uh. Well, how would you define? What do you mean? Like, in the movies, in the... Are the Hasbro uh, properties again, or...? Well, I don't know. Are, are we going to get, like... Is Rom going to turn up? Are the, the G.I. Joe's going to turn up? Well, there is that new G.I. Joe comic. Uh, which... don't, don't say that. Well, of course, we, well. we don't know when this is set, either, in the grand scheme of things. So is 21st century Earth out there now? Is it the present day? Is it four million years ago? It could... Uh... Oh, I'd like no time gap. I'd like a... I suppose we have to have a bit of a... Oh, yeah, I don't know. Glad it's not my job. Um... <laughs> Oh, I've only just realised we've not had a single human in this book yet. Yes. No, some primates though. Yes, definitely. Oh yeah. God, I'm fine. Gonna... I'm, I'm, I'm fine with them. They're <laughs> going to escape to Earth and become the ancestors of a human race. That's going to be the ah. twist of the monkey man. Oh, cool. It'll be a quite massive pit thing. We'll all be the children of the Transformers. The slave characters. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, uh, there's a lot. I hope they don't go down the Hasbro verse because, to be blunt, that's what kind of killed it off last time. And uh, (laughs) obviously, was he 13 or 14 years? uh, How long it ran for the original continuity? Yeah, good Uh, run, right? Good run. An exceptionally long run for something like this. I mean, IDW have rebooted Jar Joe about eight times during that same gap. so I don't think anyone's expected it to, to match that because that would be an exceptional bit of luck if they were able to do that twice. But I do hope it lasts longer than, than a 
but how quickly it will die if I introduce G.I. Joe into it. In six months' time, it deserves a longer run than that. Well, yeah, if, um, you know, thinking on a sort of the, the, the greater arc of the franchise, which I guess we've been conditioned to think in these ways, uh, uh, if, if the mentoring and the and characters like Termagax and uh, Codexa, if they get carried forward into things, I think that would be... Um, I think that'd be a, a worthwhile contribution. Uh, for, for me, in terms of final thoughts, uh, yep, I've really enjoyed this. I get why there are people who haven't been enjoying it, because they tell me why every time I say I've been enjoying it, which is good of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, that's actually interesting, actually, because uh, a lot of people were saying before it started, oh, uh, the new fans who came in just with more BTI, uh, specifically the RDW stuff generally, they will all jump ship now. Uh, they, they've lost what they were in it for. But generally, uh, they're the people who've been most enthusiastic about the new book, I found. Uh, whilst the people who've been moaning are the people who are more used to different... They're not moaning, that's unfair. People who haven't been enjoying it uh, have, a, have tended to be the older fans who were more used to the different continuity. So that's a, sort of an interesting uh, little flip. It's like the younger people are more excited about having their own IDW right from the start mm. uh, that a lot of people were giving them credit for before it started. Well, the, the, there's nothing new there, is there? Surely the old fans are just grumpy kids. <laughs> They've always been just like, they don't like anything that isn't G1, so I think that's just, yeah, okay. <laughs> Consistency. <laughs> well, looks like they misjudged themselves before the series came out, so check your own prejudice, old fans. <laughs> Uh, I'd like it if um, Nautica and Road Rage became the main characters and it was just them having fun adventures with weird aliens. Um, From British uh, movie, uh, British Michael Bay comics, specifically, only aliens for those. I just want a a Nautica toy. Yeah. We've got a Nautica toy. She's not a brilliant Nautica Mm. toy. Not everyone can get a hold of her. And, you know, if this is all a, a... you know, marketing series for Siege, we should get a Siege Nautica, I reckon. Yeah, I paid way too much for that Nautica and it's not very good. And the Freud. Yeah, it's got a Freud. Yeah, dig up the so, Soundwave, so it has, bro. Soundwave Prime mold, make a big funny psychiatrist man. <laughs> don't uh, don't be wasting your money on Unicron's Kickstarters. Get it out on, uh, get the Nautica out there. Probably make one for a bit less money and more people would buy it. So, are you, are you going for unicorn? Unicorn, no, unicorn. No, no I, uh, I don't want a unicorn that badly. <laughs> How about you, Tom? Is it on the list? Um, I mean, I think that would literally wipe out my savings at this at this point in my life. Uh, uh, you have savings. <laughs> yeah, I think if it's between staying alive and getting. A unicron the size of a dog. I think I'm gonna have to keep keep living from now. You know, I like I wish him well. I wish him well. It's like you see someone, you see like Patrick Swayze skydiving, and you think, well, you know, good on you, Patrick Swayze. I don't quite understand it, but I, I feel like you're having fun with it. So I didn't I didn't realize Patrick Swayze been up to much recently. Yes. Well, I think I'm. I, I, I'm, I'm referring to what he did on the set of Point Break. Oh, right. Oh. So, I was worried for a minute. We will have to break it to you. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. 
It's like, uh, oh, you knew something amazing, but we didn't. So. <laughs> Patrick Swayze is wrong. Wait, is he dead? Is Patrick Swayze dead now? Uh, about 10 years ago, eh, to break it to you. What? Yeah. Seriously? He's, oh, uh, somebody Come did on. put baby in the corner. Oh, sorry, it's... Uh, okay, yeah, I guess I just, I just in my world, he was just kicking about, skydiving around. Oh, bless. But um, there was some bad news today about someone who did die last night, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. um, Ian Eisenberg uh, played Nog in Deep Space Nine. And this has made me very sad because I am only watching Deep Space Nine for the first time now. And I, I like Nog, so this was almost like he died whilst filming it for me. And that was really sad this morning. It, it, it was terrible. Yeah, obviously I, was, I know he'd had trouble with his kidneys. I think he's had... Uh... That's why he was able to play Nog. His growth was stunted at a very early age. Even though he was like in his 20s, he looked like he could be a teenage kid mm. uh, next to Jake. So, but I, he did have all these big, serious uh, kidney health problems uh, from a car accident, I think, when he was young. Uh, so it was sort of almost expected. I think I read, read interviews with him at the time of the show saying nobody expected me to live long enough to be doing television like this uh but it still was very uh kind of because mm. he was still very he, young he was tweeting until yesterday okay. so it was it was um obviously a bit sudden well i've had cheerful notes yes <laughs> indeed um, uh well if any if anybody else has died we'll keep our listeners informed uh patrick swayze 10, ten oh, years ago yeah, if you, just, you have a turd processing that uh, we're all sad now. It's... <laughs> I'm I'm almost terrified to turn it around and talk about the people who are still alive in case they drop dead between now and when the podcast goes out. Oh, <laughs> well, we, we won't bed. We'll only uh, we'll only talk about the dead. <laughs> uh, oh dear. Well, anyway, I've had cheerful note. <laughs> well, here's to you, Tom B. Long. Yes, Tom B. Long. We <laughs> hope you're still with us when you hear this. We should we should interview Tom B. Long. I want to hear all. I want to hear about lettering. I have a lot. We can have a, a post a, a posthumous. How do you say that word? Post uh, posthumous. Posthumous. Oh, it's a terrible it, word, isn't it? A posthumous interview with him. <laughs> yeah, and we'll channel him. Uh, and um, well, now he's left IW. Maybe he can he can spill the spill the beans. All those. All the lettering beans. All, all the beans. And in case we're confused anyone, Tom is very much alive. At Be long, time. Tom dies. And the yeah. other Tom. Tom's, yeah. Both Toms are still very much alive. I'm still and alive. The, and yeah, Tom, come on the show. Come and Indeed. spill beans for us. Uh, well, uh, speaking of spilt beans, uh, but whilst beans. there are still some of our listeners alive to, to listen, uh, do you two want to share your Twitter handles and anything that you're doing at the moment so people might want to oh. check out? Cool. Yeah, I got I got something. I got something. Go Tom. Go. Okay, Tyrone McNally. I uh, my my Twitter account is now a, pro- a professional. I'm a professional scientist, uh, and sometimes I tweet about science. But uh, my I've just graduated. I just finished my my master's degree, and um, my research project uh, I am releasing as a video, and that will be up. You, you, you go to my Twitter account and you can see my pinned tweet will be my, my presentation, my fully illustrated uh, presentation of my research. Oh, you, you really are insane by the bell of a new class. You're living it, not just oh, as a metaphor. 
<laughs> I, I don't. I'm out my depth with it, so I'll I'll just accept it. Well done, Tom. Well done. Yay, Doctor oh, Tom. Very much. Uh, Marion, I saw you shaking your head vigorously when I asked if you had a bit of promote at the moment. So I'm sensing the answer is going to be no, but do, do you? Um, nothing Transformers related. Although if I may share something academic related, I don't know. It was just welcome week at the, the university where I work and it all went very well. And we've got a whole new bunch of new students coming in. So yay. Yeah, Marion's made me want to go to university so I can have cake. I, I didn't realise that was a main thing people did there. So it's, uh, I'm it assuming that's what your video is about, Tom. We had some delicious rainbow cupcakes that uh, a colleague made that were absolutely amazing. Freshly made every day. She brought a new batch in and we gave them out to students because we are that nice. The Pope was there as well. I saw him. He wore your face. He says, good. He was. He was there welcoming us all with open arms. Did he, did he take a cupcake? No, he didn't come to us at all. He, he's oh. the kind of guy who wants you to go to him. Sort it out, Pope. But hey, you're a lister. You gotta. Oh, we'll bring that other Pope back. Oh yeah, um, Pope. Pope. Pope just wants to get masterpiece things. He doesn't understand the comics. Oh, uh, foolish Pope. Yeah. Uh, me. Uh, I am Art Inflatable Dalek, and uh, if you're new to a podcast, if you're new to a comic, and you're now wondering what the hell you're listening to by this point, <laughs> I every week look at a different issue of a British Transformers comic, uh, starting all the way back with issue one of a Marvel comic, uh, all the way through to where I am now in the middle of the Revenge of the Fallen comic from 2010. Uh, so if you you could read any of those issues, uh, the Marvel comic was 35 years old this week, so it's a big anniversary for British Transformers. Uh, so you could go back and read those uh, about those early issues, or you could buy my books collective website uh, from Amazon just type my name and transformation in and uh, that will come up uh, on Amazon or buy from Lulu where I get all the money rather than just some of it uh, and uh, you could read about the fouls in their original context if you go look at issue 5 or 6 sorry, but the, of the, the 2007 comic the fouls? oh the threat oh, the, the, the alien fouls, people yeah. right sorry yeah, but, but, oh, you need to go read about that comic Tom I thought you said uh, like chickens I said fouls. I said nothing about... Oh, fouls. Okay. I just really want to There's... play that goose game. There's nothing about chickens on my website, but if you all go check that out, uh, you can uh, find out. Uh, you can go, oh, I wonder what interested Brian Ruckley about these guys. Uh, and be intrigued. Is there like a Japanese Beast Wars chicken man? Uh, Tom's not interested when I've got Sorry, sorry. I... Chickens <laughs> <laughs> like, there's got to be, right? I... I... I want to know more about the goose myself. Everyone keeps posting screenshots of it. What's going on? I'm really missing like quite an important cultural moment here by not having a switch. Well, there you go. If, if you know about the goose, uh, do at Tom and Marion well, on Twitter and tell the goose. them. I know about I just want to... Oh, okay. Sorry, Tom. Jesus. See, we take a bit of a break and now we're all tense to one another. <laughs> uh, well, on that odd note... <laughs> Uh, we will pro- we will probably be back at some point, I would imagine, uh, with even more goose-related antics. Uh, so uh, take care, listeners, and uh, everyone's going to say goodbye now. I'm saying goodbye. Goodbye, you. Goodbye. May the goose be with you. <laughs>